Good evening. Welcome to Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Daniel Sleeman, your host for tonight's program, and it's great that you're joining us tonight as we'll be talking all things poetry, from its marginal status in Australia to the publishing industry. My guests tonight are Professor David McCoy from Deakin University and Hara Cash, a slam poet of Western Sydney. Hara will be performing her poem on the origin of breathing. Stay tuned for that later in the show. But first, let's get things rolling and talk to Professor McCoy and get the lowdown on why poets and poetry are underappreciated. Firstly, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the state of poetry in Australia. It seems like it's a, a dying art, you know, where in the past poets were held in high esteem. Today, you know, poets are seen as unemployed or low-paid creatives, uh, and the career opportunities are far and few between. So w- why do you think that is? I guess I would say that I, I don't think this is an altogether new condition uh, or situation. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, people throughout the 20th century really have been making a similar uh, claim or complaint. I guess it's probably become more uh, acute in, say, the last <clears throat> 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the middle of the 20th century and even later, uh, you know, even 20 years ago, newspapers would still run poetry. So poetry as a kind of public discourse was more present, I guess. Uh, in the middle of the 20th century, people still memorised and recited poetry in a way that they probably don't anymore. But having said that, I think there have been a number of sort of social changes with regard to poetry uh, or changes with regard to poetry as a kind of social act. So I think, you know, whilst it's true that poetry on the page, literary poetry, if you want to call it that, has probably um, become quite marginal, culturally speaking, um, there are other ways in which poetry could be seen to be a bit more, um, uh, how would I put it, a bit more uh, active. So, for instance, um, poetry slams have been quite popular in recent times. You know, spoken word poetry generally, I think, has been comparatively healthy. One of the things I remember when I was doing uh, poetry classes uh, when I was at uni was Mm. what, what I found discouraging was the teacher telling you how to think about a poem. I really found that really discouraging and it didn't allow for uh, my own uh, thinking about how I I understood it and what it meant to me. And I always found that a bit um, uh, limiting in some ways. I'm just wondering, as an academic yourself, is that that, that something that you, I guess, uh, have experienced or uh, are aware of from, I guess, the student's perspective? Um, yeah, look, I think I think that's definitely uh, something that any teacher would be concerned about. Uh, I mean, really, the, the whole point about poetry, um, particularly as the kind on the page, is is that it is a sort of um, you know ambiguous, multivalent, which is to say, you can mean many things. Um, you know, playful. Uh, so the idea that, you know, poetry, a poem, means something is in itself, I think, possibly a, a an inaccurate idea. And um, one of the things that one, one as a teacher, I think, would want to do is to certainly point out the kinds of traditions and uh, you know, techniques and uh, intertextual connections that, that a poet might be playing with, but at the same time allowing that that free space, if you like, for the text to generate meaning for, for every different reader. And it's, every poem is going to be slightly different, if not very different, for every reader. So I think, I think it's a sort of balancing act to, to 
illustrate the ways in which one poem relates to other poems, whether that's because it's using the sonnet form or it's, you know, alluding to lines from, you know, Shakespeare or whatever, but also allowing the the individual experience of the reader to have some reign in, in the interpretation of a poem. Mm-hmm. And how did your interest in poetry begin? Um, wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's going Just back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Were you always yeah, interested in, in, in um, learning about the styles and, and, and um, the different ways poems were written, uh, the technical well, aspects I guess, of it? Yeah, I guess that really happened at university. I mean, I, I studied literature at school as well, of course, in, in the last couple of years at school. And I started writing probably around the same time when I was about 16, 17, you know, in year 11 or 12. Um, I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't live in a... My family uh, valued books, and we had some poetry books, not many, but I remember distinctly having, there was a um, a famous anthology from the 60s called The New Poetry, and it had a terrific um, cover um, on it, a uh, modern art cover. I can't remember the, mm-hmm. the uh, artist. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting off the topic a bit, but... But it was it was always something which was sort of valued, I suppose. And and then yes, I did. I learned a bit about it at school, and then I went to university, and I did a degree in literature, and um, you know, it just all sort of spiraled from there. And are you a poet yourself? Yes. Yep. I, I read yeah. something in one of your articles, and I think you went like this: that everyone is a poet, but nobody buys poetry or, or um, reads poetry. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, and it was an yeah. interesting kind of way to look at it because, as you said, there is, a, I guess, a crisis in confidence and even more so in the publishing industry. Yeah. People have hesitations yeah. about publishing poetry books. Um, so what, what's your... Oh, without a doubt, yes. I mean, the, the market for poetry is... Uh, poetry books is minuscule, which is not to say that the market for poetry is minuscule necessarily, although I think it is small, um, but poetry can make its way into um, people's everyday lives in, in all sorts of ways beyond the book, um, you know, the poetry slam, poetry reading. But also, too, you know, you can find it quoted in, uh, you know, people's weddings or funerals or in movies or something like that. So poetry still, despite its kind of obvious marginal character and nature, particularly in the market, still has a, um, an interestingly high sort of cultural status, nevertheless. But yes, you, you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche and possibly a little cynical to say that, you know, everyone writes poetry, but no one wants to buy it. But I think that there is a, at least a grain of truth in that, not least since, I suppose, the internet. I mean, I, I remember the internet in around about the late 90s, lots of people were saying that was going to be poetry saviour, and, and maybe it has in some ways, but I think it's meant that it's even less likely that people might buy a whole collection by one poet because they can find you know, so much poetry for free on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the, getting a market for books is, is, a, is a challenge, a constant challenge, and um, you know, like a lot of I mean, it's not as if poetry is ultra-special in that regard. I'm sure, you know, photographers with photography books, you know, photo books um, have have struggles with the, the market there in terms of the cost of the book production and versus the number of people who buy it. And even literary, um, you know, mainstream literary novels published by uh, major publishers, I think, you know, would struggle to get huge readerships. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I've heard like poem poets getting paid less than a thousand dollars for like a, a collection of, of poems, and it could take them months, if not longer, to write this out. So, what is the incentive besides, I guess, your keen interest to write poetry if there's no, uh, mm. you know, support out there? It's it's very difficult for someone to yeah be a poet, I, I suppose. And well, it's difficult and it's not difficult. I mean, it's <laughs> poetry has the advantage of being incredibly cheap. I mean, you don't. You actually don't need any technology if you're prepared to rely on your memory, which, of course, these days most people wouldn't. But, but, but you, all you need is a piece of paper and a pen or a device or a computer or whatever, which most people have these days, I suppose, but certainly a pen and paper. Um, so it's not like, you know, you, you're making a movie where you need cameras and you need actors and all of that sort of stuff. But you're I mean, spending hours and hours writing it and refining oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, you would take, it's not uncommon to take years to write books. Not that you're working mm. 40 hours a week on it, but I mean, it, it would be most, most if not all poets have a day job. Um, and so it's it's a matter of, like, again, like a lot of, crea- you know, you would use the word creatives. I mean, I think it's the case for a lot of creatives, whether they're, you know, musicians or photographers or whatever, is that the creativity is part of their lives, but they're not, um, you know, they're not a full-time photographer or full-time, you know, mm-hmm. video maker or whatever. So um, why would you do it? Well, because you love doing it, I suppose, or you have some <laughs> compulsion to do it, um, because there is, nevertheless, despite what I've just been saying, a sense of, a readership uh, out there and then also um, one wants to share that space with mm-hmm. one's fellow poets as well I think I think there's a, a good poetry um, community in Australia mm-hmm. um, but how do you get your work out there if it's a very tight market and you know publishers are, hard, are quite hard in terms mm-hmm. of how they choose which ones to publish and you mm-hmm. as a poet are doing it because you love it but you can't share it with anybody. You kind of see the the problems there for for a lot of poets who want to get their work out there. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely hear that, and I've I've you know heard people say that many times, and of course was in that situation myself um, when I was a poet and and hadn't been published. Um, I mean, I think in some ways, particularly if you are a poet of the page, you know the the, the old way of getting published still remains fairly fairly current, which is to say you send poems off to literary journals, whether they're online or print journals these days, um, and and hope to get some picked up. And then, you know, you might get, your name might become recognisable to editors. We used to have a thing called The Best Australian Poems. It was published by Black Ink. It was an anthology that came out every year. Anyone could send poems into the editor for that. And certainly some unknown poets were picked up there. Um, there are there are competitions, uh, oodles of competitions that people can send work into. There are ways of getting educated in poetry too. I mean, I think as someone who has judged a great many, or uh, a great many, but as someone who's judged a number of um, poetry awards or prizes, um, it, it is quite clear to me that there are some people who, um, you know, could could possibly spend a bit more time on getting educated into you know poetry I and mean, it's not it's not a simple thing to to write poetry so mm-hmm. so I, I, that probably came out wrong but i guess what i'm saying is you know that you can you can possibly go to university or go to a class run by a writer's writer's organization or something like that and certainly reading poetry i mean this is this is getting back to a sort of opening 
issue is is in terms of reading. I mean, if you if you enjoy if you want to be a footballer, uh, you know, you go to football games, you watch football on the t- on the on the television, you keep up with football news, etc., 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 etc. So if you feel like that about poetry, then you know, without it being a chore, you will read literary magazines and check out the poetry. You'll go to a poetry launch or, uh, you know, book launch or a reading or you'll buy a, co- a collection by someone you like. It's it's that kind of thing. You just immerse yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll say, I don't think it's all that different from, say, you know, any of the other creative arts, whether it's, you know, writing novels or photography or, or whatever. I mean, this might sound like a strange question, but in your view, what makes a good poem? Well... That's <laughs> a big question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one. So, you know, it's got to be compelling. I'm, I'm not particularly concerned about certain cliques or styles or schools or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. What about subject know, matter? Uh, subject matter quite important? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, some, uh, there's an American poet called Charles Simich who wrote s- some really famous poems about... Um, there's a famous poem he wrote called Spoon and fork and knife and that's precisely what those poems are about so it's 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 about how you how you can make those things compelling strange original whatever mm. but yes i think if you if you have compelling stories or situations they can certainly um play into it uh, there's an australian poet called jennifer maiden she writes about um public public uh, figures you know like julia gillard or, or you know, uh, Tony Abbott or whatever, in, in these really extraordinarily inventive, playful, interesting ways. And so she has she has interesting subject matter because she's talking about, you know, public life and what's going on in our world and, you know, really compelling issues. But she also does it in a really compelling, interesting, original and sometimes funny way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a you know, the, the tension between what we might call matter, that is to say what it's about, and manner, which is to say how you present it, is always one that a poet is going to be thinking about. You can have a great story or a great subject matter, but if you can't make that interesting, if you can't make that original, then it doesn't really matter. You're listening to Subject ACT, 2XX FM 98.3. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Les Murray and slam poet Hara Cash will be performing her poem, The Origin of Breathing. Every second, every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. Say if you a bad bitch, put your hands up high. Hands up high. Hands up high. Tell them dim the lights down right now. Put me in the Talking about dark moon perfume. Go, go. I recognize your fragrance. Hold up, you ain't never gotta say shit. Uh, and I know you taste this a little bit. Mm, high maintenance. Uh, everybody else basic. You live life on an everyday basis with poetic justice. Poetic justice. If I told you that a flower bloomed in a dark room, would you trust it? I mean, I write poems in these songs dedicated to you win. You're in the mood for empathy, it's blood in my pen Better yet with your friends and them I really wanna know you all I really wanna show you off Fuck that, pour up plenty of champagne Cold nights when you curse this name You called up your girlfriends and y'all curled in that little bitty range I heard that she wanna go and party She wanna go 
and part that Nigga don't approach up with that Atari Nigga that ain't good game homie sorry They say conversation Nation. I can tell, but I could never write my wrongs Lest I write it down for real P.S. You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it And I know just, know just, know just, know just, know just what you want Poetic justice, put it in a song, alright You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it And I know just, know just, know just, know just, know just what you I really hope you play this, cause oh girl you test my patience With all these seductive photographs and all these one-off vacations you've been taking Clearly a lot for me to take in, it don't make sense Young East African girl, you too busy fucking with your other man I was trying to put you on game, put you on a plane, take you and your mama to the motherland I could do it, maybe one day, when you figure out you're gonna need someone When you figure out it's all right here in the city and you don't run from where we come from That sound like poetic justice Poetic justice, you were so new to this life, but goddamn, you got adjusted. I mean, I write poems in these songs dedicated to the fun sex, your natural hair and your soft skin and your big ass and that sundress. Ooh. Good God, what you doing that walk for? When I see that they move, I just wish we would fight less and we would talk more. They say communication save relations, I can tell, but I can never write my wrongs unless I write them down for real. P.S. You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it. That was Poetic Justice from Kendrick Lamar featuring Drake. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to me, Daniel Sleeman, and the program is Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. We're continuing the conversation on the topic of poetry with Professor David McCoy from Deakin University. Recently, as you know, uh, Les Murray passed away. And mm. for many in the, I guess, literary world, he was seen as like a, a national poet. Mm. Uh, my first question is, how does a poet gain such a status? And, um, you know, these days there are many up-and-coming poet, poets who are, I guess, critical of their uh, Australian experience, uh, whether that's because of their cultural or religious beliefs. So do you think that, you know, national status is tied into the idea of a poet who kind of toes the line? Uh, is there, or is there, is there scope to accommodate, uh, you know, more marginal voices? Well, there's some interesting questions there. I mean, first of all, I'd say Les Murray did not toe the line. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, uh, he, he may not have been as a cultural left, but he was his own man. And in fact, I wrote a piece for the conversation shortly after his death saying that he was an anti-authoritarian poet. And I, and I stand by that. I think he, he found um, cliques and ideologies and all of those sorts of things extremely uh, difficult to deal with. So one of the other things which I've always found interesting about Les Murray as a national poet is that he's not a simple poet. You know, he's not not your sort of uh, Banjo Patterson type of bush poet. He he might have written about the bush, and he did often, or about, you know, country Australia, but he he's a challenging poet and um you would need to spend some time with him if you really wanted to understand his work so i don't think his status as a national poet was a simple one and and he was often a kind of cultural irritant if i can call him that with the greatest of respect uh and i do have great respect for him because i think he you know, however much I may disagree with some of his political positions, I think he was an extraordinary poet. His his, his uh, linguistic abilities were just immense, and that he really 
showed that extremely skillful, interesting original poetry can can cut through. Um, but in terms of your question about um, diversity, well, this is certainly an issue for the current um, generation of poets. Um, particularly, I think younger poets are interested in this, but I, I would say across the board, people in in poetry in Australia are far more conscious of the need to have a diversity of voices and, uh, you know, to sort of move away from that kind of, you know, kind of monolithic, white, masculinist uh, way of seeing Australia. You're listening to Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3, and that was David McQuee from Deakin University. Up next, I'll be chatting to Hara Cash, a slab hall from Western Sydney, who I recently saw perform at the Sydney Writers Festival at an event called Women of the Word. Here's Hara reciting a poem on the origin of breathing. I need to breathe. To say I have to implies an external force of pressure to conform. To say that I want to implies that it is a desire that I can do without. To say that I need to is to say that without this I cannot survive. To say that I need to is to say that this is an inherent instinct I cannot control but to succumb to. I need to breathe to stay alive. I need food to sustain my body. I need shelter to protect me from environmental elements. I need to speak. I need to write. I need the weaponry of words in any language understandable to protect myself. Language, we need language. We need history. The history of words that form language is called its etymology. Its etymology is to know the origin of words. The origin of the word origin comes from the Latin oriri, which is to rise, which is to say etymology is to know how our words have risen. The origin of the word risen comes from the Germanic rison, which is to make an attack, which is to say etymology is to know how our words can attack, which is to say our words can attack. I guess that's why they say the pen is mightier than the sword. A total cliche, I know. The origin of the word cliche comes from the French cliche, which means stereotype, a worn-out expression. It has become ineffective through overuse, which is to say I can be your worn-out expression. Ineffective through overuse, typecast me and I'll no longer mean a thing. Fade into the abyss of overused, misused words. The origin of the word abyss comes from the Greek abyssos, which means original chaos which is to say I can be your original chaos, chaotic inspiration. The origin of the word inspire comes from the Latin inspire, which is to breathe upon, which is to say I need to breathe. Words bringing me to life, language is divine guidance. The origin of the word divine comes from the Latin divus, meaning godlike, which is to say language is a godlike breath, and with every word I am brought back to life. That was Hara Cash performing her poem on the origins of breathing. Hara, tell us about your poetry journey, in particular performance poetry. Uh, well, in high school we did poetry. So mm. I, I always enjoyed it from, from high school. But, you know, the whole performance poetry aspect, I wasn't introduced to until a lot later. I did used to watch uh, Def Jam poetry online on YouTube when I was in high school, but I didn't realise that that was slam poetry per se it just seems like a really mellow version of hip-hop mm-hmm. um uh, okay that's interesting like you 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 started watching def jam um uh slam poetry uh that's the american show right yeah it's it's 
American and there's like random YouTube clips. Mm -hmm. uh, but my actual first exposure to performance poetry or slam poetry was the Bang Sound Poetry Slam. And it was through knowing uh, Sarah Mansour and seeing her advertiser on her own uh, Facebook and checking it out for myself was when I was first exposed to it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And how do you feel when you get up on stage and you perform? Oh, it's, it's an adrenaline rush. It is amazing. I still get nervous and I embrace those nerves because I feel that if you are getting nervous, it means you still care. And I've been doing this for a while and the fact that I still get nervous, it just says to me that I still very much care deeply about this. Mm -hmm. So it's very thrilling. Yeah, absolutely. And um, is there like a, a certain angle you take with your poetry, a certain cultural uh, identity angle that you tend to, um, you know, uh, talk about in your poetry? No. So my poetry is very much cathartic and it's very much about healing uh, myself and allowing others to see themselves through my own words as well. So I've never gotten up and, you know, gave myself a persona that I'm some sort of activist or I am this Muslim poet and my poetry will therefore be that. It, my poems and my writing is very much just about my lived experiences mm -hmm. and more, who I am as a person and my identity. It's basically therapy, uh, just being shared publicly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think the role of a poet is? That's an uh, interesting question. <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, and again, this is my perception, and I would never want anyone to feel like a sense of duty or responsibility. But for me personally, and what I've gotten out of it, and how much I've grown as a person, I find healing, first and foremost, is one main aspect of, you know, a poet, of someone that has a platform, of someone that has a voice, and they're sharing, you know, their experiences that others can relate to. So... It's healing yourself and you're healing others through that connection with complete strangers. Mm -hmm. And I feel in a world that tries so hard to stifle us and to, you know, stifle our voices, when mm -hmm. you do have that platform and you do have that voice, you know, you have to be mindful of that responsibility and that privilege. So I feel like that's, that's me personally, how I approach being a poet. And mm -hmm. anytime I do get a microphone and anytime I do get an audience, that's where I find myself. Finding the time to write can be challenging for many poets as many cannot afford to dedicate much time to writing. And as a poet, I'm sure you're aware of that challenge. How do you navigate that? Oh, it's really sad. Um, it actually upsets me. Uh, I love my job. I work full time and I'm really grateful, but um, I'm in HR. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I you know, do other volunteering things and I'm you know, on the board of directors of another not-for-profit. So uh, I am very much adulting. <laughs> with a lot of responsibility and it uh, upsets me that I can't prioritize my writing as much as I want to and, um, and do you think like it the just makes me feel for those that are career poets and that are career writers it really I think to myself I, this is how I'm supporting myself and my writing is something that yeah. it, it, that gives me life but not what supports me and then it just gives me that perspective of appreciation for those that do dedicate everything to their writing to make it that was Hara Cash, and that brings us to the end of Subject ACT. I hope you enjoyed the conversation tonight. I'm Daniel Sleeman. Thanks again for your company. Have a good night. Mm -hmm.